Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the podcast, Super Friends. Five podcast producers from across North America get together to discuss podcasting. Hi, it's Matt Kundal, podcast super friend and host of the Sound Off podcast. Back in August of 2021, I had Catherine O'Brien on my show to talk about her journey into podcasting. This is a reproduction of that conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Catherine, when did we first meet? We met at the second podcast movement ever. You were my first podcast friend at Podcast Movement. How did that happen? I must have been running around trying to make friends with everybody. You were just a bright, shiny, your face was gleaming. You were so happy to be there. You just wanted to make all kinds of podcasting friends. And there I was just ripe for the picking. What's my opening line and how bad was it? It was phenomenal because, oh, you know what you did is you psychically guessed. You said, so, you know, tell me about your podcast, which is the standard podcast movement opening line. And then you, I said, well, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying also to podcast for businesses and try and do podcasts, produce podcasts for other people. And you psychically said, so am I. And I said, oh, really? And as you and I both know, podcast movement is really geared towards people who are doing the podcast. They are doing the show. And so there's a little bit of opportunity for us to talk a little bit more because we're trying to do them for other people. And the thing that really hit me is you guessed the price that I was trying to get people to pay me to do a podcast. And I thought, oh, this guy really knows what he's talking about. You know, I felt this mind meld with you. And uh, so that was that was the start of our beautiful podcasting friendship. What did you do before podcasting? Matt, I was in the sexy, exciting world of tax preparation. And I know you look at me and you think, she seems like a tax preparer, but no, in fact, I'm a podcaster. Well, how do you do that? How do you go from being a tax preparer to all of a sudden one day, I think I'm going to have a podcast business? That's a great, that is a natural question. I know you're thinking that there's so many overlaps. How could it not be possible? But yes, in fact, these are very radically different worlds. I was working in tax preparation and let's say in 2013, there was a sort of a surprise move with my husband for his work. We didn't expect that we'd be moving so quickly, but we did. And we moved almost 1,500 miles partway across the United States from the West Coast to Louisiana, where I live now. And because of the surprise, I thought, okay, here is a chance for me. This is an opportunity. I'm going to use the move to really break up with what I had been doing before. And I'm going to use this move to a new community to get into something like podcasting. I had already been very much a heavy consumer of podcasts, and I still am, and that was a part of the attraction. But also, I've been a 10-year, now almost 11-year member of Toastmasters, which is the world's largest public speaking and leadership organization. And from that experience with Toastmasters, I saw a lot of people who were wanting to become professional speakers. I saw them trying to get their careers started, and I saw it really like an opportunity. Now, back, you know, 10 years ago, or, you know, even back into 2013, 
there was more of a business for audio products. That was kind of a thing where people would make courses that were audio programs. So that was my initial thought of what I would be doing to help speakers out. But then with my love of podcasting and wanting really just really, really wanting to be in the world of podcasting, this thing that I loved that I saw just sort of burgeoning and growing, I, I wanted to be a part of that. And so I, I just used the move to make that break and get into it. Like I mentioned, I this was a surprise, this move to to Louisiana. So when I got here, I was a little bit kind of trying to get my feet underneath me and figure out what was happening. And one of the things I did was I started volunteering. I'm an avid volunteer. I really believe in helping a community, helping your own community through volunteering. So I started volunteering for a dog rescue group here. And I approached the executive director and I said, hey, could I do, as part of my volunteering, could I do a podcast for the organization? Now, Matt, you know, several years ago, the, the first question, just the fact that the executive director knew what a podcast was because her son-in-law did a Saints football podcast, I was way far ahead in the game. I mean, most people say, what's a podcast? But she knew what a podcast was. And she said, Catherine, if you pay for it, you just knock yourself out. And I did. And that was my initial foray into podcasting. It was a paw cast. And I used that to make my mistakes, learn how to do everything, learn how to edit. And it was a really great experience. We featured all the dogs that were up for adoption. We featured what the organization was doing in the community, how people could get involved. And in fact, we got nominated for best podcast in the 225 area, which is the area code for Baton Rouge. And I've been off to the races ever since. I was able from that volunteer gig to get some paying clients. So thinking back to that time period when podcasting is immensely popular in California, but not so in the middle <laughs> right. states and also in the middle provinces. And I've got the data to substantiate all that. In fact, Jeff Vidler supplied the data to substantiate all that, that the Midwest, there's just not as much podcast listening. So you're in Baton Rouge. Have you noticed podcasts growing in and around you now, just basically because of your company? Well, I would love to say I, I do think that I was one of the original people doing it. There is definitely other people doing it too. I did not, <laughs> I did not bring podcasting with me. That would be, no, that's, that's just not true. But I do know that I, I definitely just from anecdotally, a lot of people were shocked that I was doing that here. And I do know that I was able to bring podcasting to people's businesses where no one else was offering that type of service. So th that is true. And then I, there are definitely has been a lot of growth in podcasting, even here in Baton Rouge. There's a lot of people, professionals that do their own shows. I just, there's a newly, relatively newly launched podcast specifically called the Louisiana Ladies Podcast. And I've seen a lot of people who have taken up the mantle. I will say one thing I do notice though is, and you and I talk about this issue a lot, is that what a podcast is means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So some people really take it on as it is a video that appears, it looks like a a talk show, those things. And the, the fact that it's a show is what means podcast to them. So a lot of the, the prominent shows in our area, they they're following a talk show model. That is what they're doing in their podcasting. And there's nothing, again, there's nothing wrong with it. I support people having their shows, but I would say that that's part of, that's kind of a, a lot of what I see happening right now. So are you one of the ones who 
when somebody comes up and says, oh, yeah, we have a podcast, but you can only find it on YouTube. <laughs> can't find it on Apple or Spotify or Google. Mm-hmm. Is that when you have to bust out the explanation of, well, you don't have an RSS feed. Let me introduce you to the world of RSS. Well, actually, is, are you expecting me to say that? Well, actually, well, I appreciate no RSS feed, no podcast. I understand that. However, I do also think that people, I, you know, I, I don't exactly know what to do with that because it's, it really it is not for me to, to rain on anybody's parade. I experienced a significant rain. We had to delay our, our even this wonderful conversation that we're having right now because of rain. It's not my job to rain on people's parade. And you know what? The other thing too is I don't want to get caught up in a bunch of like egoism. Because inevitably, I look at somebody who's like, oh, yeah, I have a podcast. They only do it on YouTube and they've got thousands of views. So forgive me. They are connecting with an audience. That is what is most important ultimately. And so it's not for me to necessarily tell them, oh, you, you don't have a podcast. You have, you have a great YouTube show. That's not, that's not my job. So if I go to the other end of the scale, though, there can be some internal podcasts, which is originally kind of what you thought you'd be doing a little bit more of. Yes. I do not understand them. Anybody who calls me is immediately (laughs) referred to you. Good. Why is an internal podcast important to a company? Let me just start by saying this, just share some of my podcasting philosophy. To me, there is absolutely no better medium for no like and trust than a podcast. Now I'm speaking about the audio part of this. There, There is an intimacy to podcasting. I know it's almost a cliche at this point, but it's true that there is a relationship. Podcasts deliver a parasocial relationship. You feel like you're the person you're listening to. You know you're connecting with them. You form a relationship with the people that you're listening to. Now, you look at a company. You and I, are we're self-employed. We're small companies, so we don't have some of the problems that or some of the, some of the opportunities. Look at me putting things in a positive spin that very large companies do that they, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, might not even be aware that there is a right hand. And how do you connect your company for a mission through, let's say a very challenging time this last year? Let's say year and a half has been very, very disruptive for a lot of people in their work situations. People are working from home. There's no water cooler. So there becomes this opportunity. How do you connect people from the phone tree, the organizational chart, and make them feel like they're all part of the same company doing working towards similar goals under the same banner? A podcast is a great way to connect people. Now, I do try. That's a part of my business is doing podcasts for companies like that. I would love to expand and do more because I do think that they're really important. It's, it is a vital internal communication tool that I think more businesses should explore. When I was getting into internal podcasts, I consulted with a guy who does one for a large oil and gas company. So they have employees that are literally in India, in China, in Saudi Arabia, any of the big energy countries. So how do you connect people? Is a newsletter going to connect? Is a a Slack channel going to connect people? They are using a podcast to bring a voice to the things that are going on in that company and unite people. And one of the comments that this guy who went, you know, because he'd been doing the internal podcast for a long time, he told me that from more than one person, they said, I've never felt connected to my company, my employer, the way I do now that I've started listening to the company internal podcast. 
that people had no idea about really understanding what the CEO was all about until they heard the CEO's voice talking through the podcast, as well as like, if you, let's say you're, you're an engineer. Do you necessarily know what the marketing goals of the company that you're working for? Well, you can, if you listen to the podcast and you can listen to this, you know, the CMO and hear about what our marketing strategy is and how we're trying to inform the public. That's incredibly valuable information of all of those things can be done through an internal podcast. And when we mean that, we don't mean sending you the quarterly webinar. You cannot rip the audio from your webinar. No, this is a conversation. This is a podcast episode. This is a planned program. This this is a show from your company to your employees. And think about, you know, just even unifying people who are, we don't have, might not have the office experience and being able to just make people feel like they're all working towards the same thing through something like a podcast. I want to wind it back to day one just for a second, sure. because I think one of the things that made me go, oh, wow, when we were talking is that told me you do house calls and that you actually <laughs> show up with equipment and you work with people right there to record podcasts. This is how our businesses are different in that you get in the car and you show up with all the gear and you unpack it and away you go. And let's just put an asterisk on it. That is a service I offer. Last year, that was not something I was doing, but everybody knows that. That's totally okay. And I, I the joke with our podcast producers group, which I'm sure we'll be getting to any moment now, is that the more I bumped up, I improved the home studio that I had. So I do have space that somebody could come to me. But the more I seem to invest into that space, the more people, the more demand there was for me to come to them. So I felt like there was sort of like a, there must have been some sort of karmic that the more I put into the, the actual space, the more people wanted me to come to them. But I can understand it's not easy to get out and you want to make this as, as low obstacle as possible to get the podcast going. And, uh, you know, I got really good at spatial relationships for my luggage here that I pack up all my gear in. And it's, it is pretty nice to, it's pretty fun to transform a conference room into a podcast room. I have a couple of uh, moving blankets just to give people a visual and I lay them out on the table, set up all the equipment. And somebody said, excuse me, is, is, is this just a common moving blanket that you have here on the conference room table? I was like, uh, in this application, it's actually a podcasting blanket. So yeah, but yeah. So that, yes, that is something I do and people seem to really like it. And thank God bless dynamic microphones that make it a little bit easier to do that. Well, you mentioned it. What are the great dynamic microphones that you're going to recommend? I just wrote a piece called Don't Ask What Mic to Use. Matt, how dare you trap me in this this gotcha interview? Okay. Everybody can read that article. It's in the show notes of the episode. I'm speaking to you in an Audio-Technica 2100, which is no longer. we. And you know that we also love the Samsung Q, QU2. Wait. Q2. Q2U. Yeah. Q2U. Thank you. So one of the many things Catherine has set up is a monthly group meeting with other podcasters who have businesses like ours. In the group is John Gay from Jag in Detroit Podcasts. He was on episode 188 if you're scoring on the home game. Also, David Yaz from 617 Podcasts in Boston. Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Pods in Fort Worth. Together. We form the Podcast Super Friends. Mm-hmm. 
Hello, I'm Wendy Mesley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are, a few years after we left our previous jobs. We've been busy. We have a podcast. I know, you're thinking who doesn't, but ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women, though. Just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors, activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden, Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn, Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mockery. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us, Women of Ill Repute. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. The Podcast Super Friends. Tell me a little bit about the branded podcast, because a lot of people don't understand how to do them. There's a trick to them. I think you and I would both agree the Pacific content does them very, very well. Yeah. But how do you explain what a branded podcast is to a client who wants to name the podcast after themselves, but then, you know, there (laughs) you are as the therapist to talk them off the ledge and land them on to something a lot less salesy? Going back to the no like, and trust, and I'll say this, just I want a more shout out for podcast movement is I, I attended a lot of the branded podcast sessions because of this very issue. When you have a branded podcast, and let's just define what that is, that is a company that is having a podcast for the public consumption, right? So it's a podcast sponsored by the, the company. It is, it is carrying the brand of the company that it represents branded podcast, you are your goal is to build a relationship. So one of the speakers that I saw talking about branded podcasts said, you're not building customers, you're building fans. And that is gold. That should be on a plaque hanging up in front of everybody in front of a microphone who is doing a branded podcast. You're trying to connect your company, your message, your mission with people that you want to be your fans. You don't necessarily have to ask them to do anything. You're just trying to share with what your company has with an audience and build that audience. Tell me, just give me the, give me the blood and guts of a branded podcast. So you're trying to create fans with a branded podcast. Now, there's so much flexibility with podcasting, as we know. So what you do with a branded podcast can be the sky's the limit. You could be sharing the history of your company. You could be sharing a vision about where you're going. You can explain changes that are coming to the company. You can pull back the curtain and share how, why you do the things that you're doing and let these people hear about what's going on at maybe their favorite companies. All of those things are possible and people want to hear them, especially if they love your company. That just gives them a reason to love you even more. One of the examples, just to give you a little quick example, is Jack Daniels was at Podcast Movement talking about their branded podcast, which is, you know, oh, by the way, bourbon is big in podcasting right now. Have you looked at the food chart? It's amazing how many bourbon podcasts there are out there. 
Americans, we know Jack Daniels, right? That's an American brand. We know it very well. Well, Jack Daniels is sold in 150 plus countries, 160 companies around the world. They found with their Jack Daniels branded podcast that reps, you know, food and beverage reps from other countries were listening to the podcast as an onboarding tool so that they could get the whole message, the whole history, the whole ethos of Jack Daniels and learn it so that then when they're talking to, when they're distributing it to local spirit shops, they would have a knowledge and an education to about Jack Daniels, the product, you know, thinking of a branded podcast as a relationship builder and an education for your audience, I think is going to be the the thing that makes a branded podcast work for people. What did I miss at podcast movement this year? You missed getting to see uh, our smiling faces in real life. <laughs> What was the vibe inside podcast movement in, in Nashville? We knew it was going to be different. What's the feeling inside post-pandemic? To say it was refreshingly normal. Everybody sort of maintained their own boundaries for what they were comfortable with and what have you. Some people wore masks. Some people did not. Some people, you know, podcast movement pr- provided us with little red, green Yellow to match the stop light signals, you know, stop red was like, I'm not comfortable. Yellow was I'm cautious. Green is I'm fine. And they provided those for people who wanted them. It seemed very normal. I, you know, it's funny. I had somebody ask me about a, an upcoming event and they said, well, you know, how, how was the COVID thing for a, your conference? And I was like, I don't know that I. <laughs> I have a great example because it was in Tennessee and it's just every state is a little bit different and it everything seemed refreshingly normal. And yeah, the vibe felt good. It was interesting to see how many people this was their first foray out in 18 months that was, and that they were willing to do that for podcast movement. That was sort of a testament unto itself. It was kind of interesting. What was your favorite session? I love all the sessions equally, Matt. I, I pick no favorites, but uh, one of the most influential, so far influential sessions was Allison Melody. She talked about sponsorship. This was fascinating. It was totally fascinating. She has a podcast where she talks about food that helps. I did not plan on coming to your show here and talk nonstop about food, Matt. I'm, I don't know why I'm all food podcasts all the time. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, she has a food podcast talking about foods for healing. She has a phenomenal process for getting sponsors for her podcast. I think this is very important for podcasters because as you know, I think that there is a gap of opportunity for podcasting. There are people who have who are starting out and have smaller podcasts, and then there's people, huge podcasts, lots and lots of downloads. And so there's this opportunity for people in the middle. And her sponsorship model really kind of gave some tools for people in the middle. She started out by giving a lot. She knows the products that she loves. She gives them a lot of attention on social media. She talked about them and promoted them without obligation, without contacting them first. She was genuinely authentically expressing love for the products that she likes. Then she goes and started approaching them later after they noticed that she was giving them so much attention. There's no talk about CPM because she knows her audience and she's able to connect her audience with products she genuinely feels good about. And it was just very exciting for her to say that she views things as a sponsorship opportunity. It's a chance for people. If they want to take it, that's great. If they don't, they don't. 
I think this is going to be a much better approach for people who are in podcasts who would like to bring in revenue for their podcast, as opposed to setting their sights on advertising, which is probably, let's face it, not attainable for a majority of the podcasts out there. So it's incredible that you mentioned that because she was a surprise for me to watch. It was a breath of fresh air as I watched that online. And she was wonderful enough to also send me her slide deck from the show. And then she said, would you please get back to me if you have any questions, which is, you know, this is a sort of podcast movement hugs that you get when you do this thing. I was kind of blown away with, with how good it was. And she did it alone. I'm not sure she was supposed to do that show alone. Maybe there was like a cancellation (laughs) or two. She could do it. She carried the whole room. She carried everything. She's got the energy and the, she's got it, baby. You can connect with her, by the way, in the show notes of this episode. And maybe if you're nice, she'll send you some of her materials. I won't be forwarding the materials she sent me. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if she would appreciate that. Right. We're making the connection to her, and then she can take it from there. I trust her. And at the same time, and, and this is a lot along the same lines as what you experienced, in that I got to watch Jesse Brown from Canada Land give his talk about a podcast network and that you can spend all your time trying to scale this and, you know, move it up. And, but what is your ethos and what is your network and what are your pod collection of podcasts about? So for instance, you've got nine podcasts with your company. And I think we know what each one is about and what their purpose is because you have to set that out. And so when I heard Jesse and I look at what the work you're doing, that's something for me to go and look and say, okay, well, what do I need to do for my podcast? And what are our podcasts all about? What do we all have in common? And why do I get up in the morning? And what's the point of all this? And I don't think it's to try to scale something to $100 million and retire on an island. I think that would be wonderful. But what would I do on that island? And what <laughs> island is that anyway? <laughs> well, and also, let, I mean, let's face it, too. Some topics are not that broad. One of the beauties of podcasting is that you can address a niche and you should be addressing a niche. Well, but that means that for some people, for some shows, 300 downloads per episode, 400 downloads per episode is going to be banner business. You probably can't make a deal for a hundred million dollars that with 400 downloads per person. That is just the nature, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing it. It just means that the podcast is part of something else that you're doing. It, it just, it has to be something else and that not every topic fits that same model and that, that we should just be honest about and have a strategy that fits what your podcast is or what you would like it to be. Can you comment a little bit about Tom Webster's talk this year? I know it's a highlight for both of us. In the same way that I was making fun of the, what mic should you use? He was pointing out the fact that when you get into any of these podcast groups or these Facebook groups or whatever is that the people start saying, how can I grow my show? How can I grow my show? How can I grow my show? And he said, or he pointed out that most people are thinking, how does one grow a podcast show when the real question that everybody should be asking is, how do you grow your podcast show? And every little bit of everybody's podcast show is different and has a different trajectory and that that should be part of your question going in to this whole thing is that there is no answer for, oh, you know, this is the step-by-step map for how to uh, grow your podcast audience. So, you know, try this, try this, try this, try this, try this. Instead, you should really be looking at what is your show? Who are you speaking to? Who are you speaking to? Know thy listener and then make your plans around those facts. So my two takeaways were just about, can you make your show recommendable? Mm, Good one. 
would somebody tell a friend? The other one actually goes back to his talk from 2018. The people who are saying, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. And a lot of people, if they're getting their podcasts from YouTube, are you certain? (laughs) (laughs) No. And I'm trying to come up with a new phrase that's, you know, wherever, instead of wherever you get your podcasts, but I haven't found one yet. Well, and he's also back to our conversation about the YouTube part of things is that why are we fighting that people listen to podcasts on YouTube? (laughs) That is where people, a lot of people get their podcasts that maybe work with that. And yes, there are things that you can do to make your show more recommendable. And yes, you can give them an easier link to get to or an easier website to get to, to find that podcast. But it's, it's kind of like working with things that are happening as opposed to fighting it, fighting the way people receive your content. Do you have a plan, by the way, like if a client comes to you and says, hey, I think we should be on YouTube. I say, yes. Yeah, I'm I'm for it. I am making MP4s with static images as we speak. Well, not exactly as we speak, but yes, I'm totally open to that. I want my clients to connect with people. I want their message to get out to people. I will go where the people are. Did you meet anybody interesting in the hallways? Yes, of course I did. I met some really interesting people. I met, let's see, I did meet a lot of first-time podcast movement people. There was a lot of first-time people that I seemed to interact with, which was great. And then you do see some people that you recognize from from years past, which was good. Matt, I know you'll appreciate this. There were a ton of people that I interacted with that said, I have been podcasting since October. And I thought, oh, okay, here are my pandemic podcasters. That is good to know. So there I am... Totally confident that, or there are a lot of people that the pandemic is what kicked them into thinking, finally going to launch that podcast. Here's the time. Here's the window of opportunity. And they went for it. And then here we are uh, almost a year later and they're doing their finally getting to go to podcast movement in person to maybe take their podcast further down the road. I'm totally stealing that from you. Anybody who started a podcast April 2020 onward. That's a pandemic podcaster right there. That's a pandemic podcaster, which is totally fine. We totally support you too. Did you catch Mark Cuban's talk? Was that a talk, Matt? I'm sorry. Did you catch Mark Cuban's (laughs) ad? I did. (laughs) That's it. Now I'm I'm really in trouble. So when are you going to be graduating from podcasting 1.0? Man, that made some people mad. So what's the air in the room like when he says that? Because I'm not going to get that feeling when I'm watching it on a computer. So what does it, what's it like in the room? Are there people looking at each other or what's happening? I will come to the room in a second, but I will say this is that I, I used a word that I'm going to use right now. I heard it multiple times. So I think this is the fair assessment is infomercial. And I think that is the general consensus about that presentation. It is very common for people who are deep into podcasting, who are talking about the RSS feeds and are the know all the OGs of podcasting and whatever. When people come in who are very successful and they have opinions about podcasting that don't fit the common conventional wisdom of people who are deep in the weeds of podcasting, there's a lot of friction. Is that a would you say that's a fair thing to say? So I think especially the the podcasting 1.0 comment rubbed people the wrong way and that had a lasting effect. I will say this is that the vibe of infomercial was definitely there. I think there was also a vibe of what is this? It was promising all these things. It seemed exciting, but there was kind of like a, well, 
is this Twitch? Is this Patreon? Is what is so different about it? And the presenters were so insistent that the key was that the creators owned their material. And all the podcasters in the room were like, yeah, we know we own our material. We own our content. And I think that there was a real disconnect in that information that really proved to be one of the fatal flaws. Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned that they're talking about a product that's not out yet. It's not the only infomercial type thing that goes on. There's a lot of branded sessions that do take place at podcast movement. I mean, and I don't think the organizers can get away from that because there's obviously sponsorship money and these people are going to be giving talks anyway as it goes on. But overall, how much liquor was consumed? <laughs> I was temperate. I was I was moderate in my consumption. I did not hear any tales of debauchery, except for I do know that the sort of the rap party, Questlove did some DJing. That was probably the biggest excitement of, of the party. But yes, we had some wonderful sponsors who put on some beautiful events throughout the, the week there. Do you have any of the biggest takeaways? I know a lot of people go to these things and they're like, here are my three big takeaways. But did you have any? I would say this is that the podcast community and the people who are in it are the most important part of what we're doing. Uh, meeting people, as you and I discussed, is really the key. Talking to people and hearing about where they are in their journey, that really is the heart of podcast movement. I think that that is still the most exciting part, especially to hear people on their different parts of their journey. I do still think that there's going to be some challenges going ahead for podcasting in general. I do worry I am minding that gap that I mentioned between the beginner and the small podcast and the Mac Daddy big podcasting and what happens in the middle and that we're not promising things to people that can't be delivered and just really how to the the opportunities and how to seize those opportunities. Really, that's that's really what it comes down to. So the people are important, continuing to nurture the community, giving people the tools and the advice to be able to try and seize the opportunities that are out there. I think that's going to be that's those are some of, sort of my bigger takeaways. And for branch out programs, any goals coming up for the next year? As I think you heard in my my passion about the the internal podcast, I do think that that's a really big tool for people. I think that that's that's something I want to continue to add clients who want to do internal podcasts and want to connect with their workforce, especially the you know as we trans make more transitions society wide. I think that's going to be really important. I am thinking about other ways to be of service to people. One of the things that I picked up from Podcast Movement is that everything around the show has to be operating at a high level as well. So it's not okay to just put out your podcast episode. You do need blog posts. You do need marketing assets. You do need transcripts. All of those things are being relied upon more and more and are becoming more and more important. So I'm thinking about how I can do that because as you know, a good podcast takes a long time to put together. And so how can I provide some of like, how can I provide the services for my clients that's going to help the show be its best in a way that is actually feasible to get done. So those are kind of some of the things I'm thinking about. Oh, and video. <laughs> I've resisted our podcast super friend Johnny has been so good about took the pandemic year and he's been buckling down to get good with video. And I just, you know, I fought it because I was a podcast purist, but I don't, I also can't afford to get left behind. My dearest Catherine. The war has been lost. Video is here. <laughs> Send supplies north. 
<laughs> Does that mean actually you have to up your game in your studio? Do you have to get a camera or is there anything else? Maybe some software? Yeah. It's, it, I don't know. Can you help me di- help diagnose your, why do I feel, I call Johnny it feel, it does feel like a, yeah, I'm going to convert. I'm going to call Johnny. And then also it does feel like sort of like a, a loss a little bit, but like, get with it, sister. You, <laughs> Yeah. Just, I got to get over that. Yeah. I guess this is my pandemic idea was for this podcast. Right. And I haven't carried it out in nearly enough is that we'll do the first podcast in audio form. And then all the subsequent times we're going to meet after that, we're just going to follow it up. We'll use the video for that. And so I sort of debated today, should you and I talk on video for this podcast? And then we can maybe, right. you know, put that through your Facebook page and we can entertain questions. And But you know what? We can do that any other day. And I wanted to have sort of the story of Catherine, the story of Catherine going to podcast movement and the story of me watching Catherine going to podcast movement. <laughs> you know, that could be our, this is an audio story for today. But the next time we get together, it will be a video one and we'll include our Facebook and YouTube audiences. Uh, I would like the record to reflect that I actually brushed my hair for this in the event that we did go for radio uh, for a video. I would like the record to reflect. I got a haircut (laughs) yesterday. Look how shiny that is. That is very shiny. I had to turn down the ring light. Catherine, so good yeah. to connect with you on the uh, Sound Off podcast. It took. Did you ever think the first time we met that you'd be on this podcast for broadcast? I don't even have a radio background, and how did I sneak onto your show? I can't believe it. I need a lapel pin that says "non-radio guest." <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast, Super Friends. For a transcript of the show or to connect with the Super Friends, go to the show notes of this episode or go to SoundOff.network. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast. But we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance, and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca.